Hello out there, Lucy Fenwick here, and I am happy to welcome you back into the Emberverse. I hope you've been well since our last chat. If you're new here, feel free to snoop around a bit. Now, please, make yourself cosy, and I will fill you in on all that has recently transpired. sat low over Kesselton all day today. They have for four days now. They tickle the decks of the tower docks with a cold humidity that I've been told is unusual for this season. The bellies of the dirigibles peek out from the billowy grey mass as they move about the city. The feeling, looking out the window each of these mornings, is different than it was the first few days I was here. The air feels sick and somehow green. I've no real words to describe it. In addition, there was more activity on the street below Madame de Fries this morning than what I have come to consider to be normal. There's always a fair amount of people puttering around the shops and going to and from the trader's market by the wharf, but today it was nearly doubled. When I asked Madame de Fries at breakfast what might be causing the influx of foot traffic, she got rather more upset than I'd yet seen her. She folded in on herself, making her small, wiry frame even more petite. Her tight curls bounced, and her oversized glasses slid down her nose as she hurried toward the window. I haven't seen people like this in an age, my girl. She pulled the wispy white drapes back to get a better angle before she pointed down the street. Trouble is brewing. Just there, she said. Of course, never having been to Kesselton before, I had to take her word for it. She looked up at me with a pinched expression, taking in my appearance in a most uncomfortable way. This week is the anniversary of the Tinkerers joining the Galactic Council. I don't think this energy bodes well for the celebrations. She went on to explain what the Tinkerers joining the Council had done, increasing the economy of the planet and changing the trajectory of our species. The way she spoke... I began to wonder if she had actually been alive those hundreds of cycles ago to experience it. I must remember to watch him more closely. It is possible that she has undergone complete cybernetic fusion. Having been disconnected from the Tinkerers as a species for the entirety of my life, there is a lot I don't know and that I can't recognize. I can only hope that the longer I am here, and the more Tinkerers I am around, that some of my natural-born abilities will decide to surface. But in truth, I don't really know how any of this works. My apologies, though. I am getting off track. More than a little concerned, but having had a most delightful breakfast, I left Madame de Vries in search of more information. What kind of information? I wasn't sure exactly, but I wanted to get out and explore. I wandered slowly in the direction she had pointed, paying extra attention to the others on the street. They were a happy bunch, in general, chatting away in countless languages. Understanding a few words here and there, it was enough to be certain they had almost all come for the anniversary celebration. As I walked, I noticed a small alleyway I had overlooked before. Looking up and back towards Madame de Vries, I also saw a sign hanging from the corner of the far building. It was a green as dark as the Formling's Forest, with gold markings on it. I was unfamiliar with the symbols, 
but was sure it was the area Madame de Free had pointed at from the dining room window. Making my way to the alley opening, I looked around for what trouble she might have been speaking of. However, all I could see was a giant black tent hanging between the buildings. The fabric glistened like dew on grass in the morning sun, even in the overcast light. A slight breeze caused the tent walls to dance and billow in the most lovely way. It reminded me of deep water being pushed and pulled by a slow current. I was about to continue making my way into the alleyway, but a commotion behind me made me turn back to the main street. A man in a dark green top hat and matching tailed coat was checking his pockets, shouting down the street in a language I didn't recognize. But I knew what the problem was. He'd been pickpocketed. It's something I'd had to weigh when choosing lodging for myself in Kesselton. Having a currently limited supply of funds, I need to make it stretch where I can. Madame de Frise is safe, clean, and very pleasant. But the neighborhood isn't the best in the city. I rarely leave my room with anything more than what I know I need, and I carry what I do take in some rather unladylike ways. But again, I'm off topic. I'll never get this story told at this rate. As I watched the man shout down the street, back toward Madame de Frise, a young man, about my age, walked past me going the opposite direction. He had a robotic leg, which was strange. Not that having a robotic limb is strange, here or anywhere else in the universe, but because of the look of it. It was ancient, or at least it was made to look that way. I scolded myself for giving a single thought to what the man's leg looked like. It really didn't matter, and I was going to try to hide my gawking. But he stopped, and I realized I'd been seen. However, he was watching me nearly as intently as I'd been looking at his leg. I shook my head and was about to apologize when he cut me off. Poor old chap. Nodding toward the green-clad man, he ran his hand through his thick black hair, pulling it away from his eyes for a moment. I would have agreed with him outright, but something about the look he gave me wasn't genuine. In my hesitation, he smiled. It was full of mischief. It was you! I still don't know why I whispered the words instead of shouting for a security unit. The young man gave me a wink. Honestly, he actually winked at me, and then proceeded to limp away down the street. I'm still not sure what to make of it, as an ambassador's daughter, I am supposed to stand for rightness at all times. But something about the young man didn't feel wrong. Except for the limping. That was fake. Madeline would scold me for finding a thief attractive, and she would be right in doing so. But that isn't what stopped me from calling out for a security unit. Though, in hindsight, I'm not sure why there was no response from one to all the men shouting in the street. Maybe they arrived as I left, because after the encounter with the young man, I returned straight away to my room. Something about the man in the top hat had felt off. Off in the same way that the air felt sick. In the moment, I couldn't place it. But as I've thought about it more throughout the day, I've realized what it was. He wasn't a species I've ever encountered before. In my limited travels, I have been in contact with most of the known sentient species, at least in the way we think of sentience. 
and I believe I have been face to face with all of the human passing species. The one tinkerer ability that I have always had and had in abundance is a sense of species knowing. There's no real word for it that I'm aware of, but I know what species someone is without any explanation. While it isn't something that is common among tinkerers, it also isn't that unheard of, and more of us probably possess the ability but never mention it because it seems so natural that we think everyone must also know. From the few tests Madeline and I did on it when I was a child, it is based on the soul, not the body. Which is why I can't tell what portion of Madame de Free is cybernetic, I just know that she has the soul of a tinkerer. So to come across someone who doesn't match with any of the species I know, intellectually or intuitively, is odd, to say the least. I'm still not sure what to make of it. I will try to keep it from concerning me overly much, though I do believe I will start paying more attention to everyone I cross paths with in this regard. The thief, on the other hand, I will keep a lookout for, partly because he is lovely to look at. Oh, with all this recounting my strange day, I almost forgot to tell you. When I joined Madame de Free for dinner, there was another guest at the large table in the eating area. Another young woman, in fact. Diara is her name, and she is to be a vendor at the trader's market for the next few months. She's come all the way from Vauxhall. I could have talked with her all evening about the night market there. I find it to be one of the most curious places in the Emberverse. But she was clearly exhausted from her travels. Kesselton's Trader's Market is on the smaller side as far as Trader's Markets go, but Diara tells me that they will be hosting a carnival soon. It's one of the reasons she came all this way. She is a vendor and will be a performer at the carnival as well. Can you imagine? A carnival! There aren't many anymore, but I've always wanted to attend one. The Trader's shows are well known throughout the Emberverse. I don't know that I will sleep much tonight, what with all the commotion of today and looking forward to the excitement to come. But my hope is that you have just as much to look forward to. Until we chat again, look up at the stars, take a deep breath, and remember that I, for one, am thankful you are out there. Lucy Fenwick, signing off. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie Dawn, author and voice of Into the Emberverse. If you enjoyed today's installment, please consider buying Lucy a cup of coffee through Ko-fi. Link in the show notes below or at intotheemberverse.com. Every cup helps Lucy pay for her room at Madame Dufries and also keeps her adventures advertisement-free. New episodes of Into the Emberverse release every other Wednesday. So make sure you hit that follow button and they'll be saved for you. If you were intrigued by what you heard today, please share this episode on social media. Every share is like a little hug and is appreciated more than you realize. For more of Lucy and other Emberverse stories, you can find all of our socials in the show notes below. Until we chat again, take care of one another.